Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 322 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Dexcom, Omnipod, Touch by Type 1, and the Contour Next 1 blood glucose meter. You can find out more about the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor at Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Get a free, no-obligation demo of the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump at myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Touchbytype1.org and contournext1.com. Round out the links for today's sponsors. At contournext1.com, you can find out if you're eligible for an absolutely free Contour Next One meter. And of course, at touchbytype1.org, you will find my favorite diabetes organization. And you'll get to see what they're doing for people living with type 1. Today's show brings us another person living with type 1 diabetes who's had the coronavirus. Justin Wilhite became Twitter famous when he tweeted, I have it. Don't sleep on this thing, people. I'm a very healthy type 1 diabetic. My body is fighting it very well, but it's kicking my ass. Don't be a moron. Stay home. That tweet is accompanied by a photograph of Justin in his hospital bed in a gown with a knit cap on from the Oakland A's. If you're interested in seeing it, it's all over my social media right now. And later in this episode, you're going to find out how many people have seen that tweet. It's a staggering number. Justin recorded this with me just the other day as he's finishing up with his coronavirus experience. This first-hand account of what it's like to have the coronavirus, COVID-19, will fill in a lot of blanks for you. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. For new listeners coming through Justin's social media, I want to say hello and welcome. If any of you have type 1 diabetes or love someone who does, please take a look back through the over 300 shows that are in this podcast. This is the most popular, best-reviewed type 1 podcast there is, and there's a very good reason for that. So when you're done here, if you want to hang out, read some reviews, check out some other episodes, I'd really appreciate it. I think you're going to like the show. All right, let's get started. Justin does a fantastic job of telling his story, and I don't want you to have to wait any longer. How old were you when you were diagnosed with type 1? Let's see, type 1, officially diagnosed at like 28, but my A1C was so high by the time um, I, I had some issues, because at the time I was working out like a maniac. Okay. I, I would, uh, I'd work out in the morning, I'd go to my job, which was labor intensive, and then finish my workout at night. So <laughs> at, at the time, I was 250 pounds of American muscle. How, t- how tall are you? I'm 5'10". Wow. You were strong. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty stout. Yeah. And um, so I, I went into the gym one day. I was doing some incline dumbbells, working on the chest, and my left arm just gave out on me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that's weird. So I stood up and shook it off a little bit and started with my workout again. And then my right arm went down on me. <laughs> oh, no kidding. And yeah. And so that freaked me out. So then I took about a week 
And every day I went in, I would do less and less weight. And it didn't make any sense to me. So, you know, and I was eating healthy and, you know, the only bad thing I'd have is, you know, beer and pizza at the time. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so I think this was, uh, summer, summer 2008, somewhere thereabouts. So, so about 12 years and, um, doctor ran a bunch of tests on me and they were talking about, uh, uh, multiple sclerosis cause I was having nerve pains like all over, uh, uh neuralgia nerve pains, you know, just down the nerve. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, not like the classic diabetes, you know, kind of dead finger, dead weight kind of, uh, neuropathy. Yeah. And that neuropathy would only come after years of mismanagement it's not going to happen on day one so well absolutely and so when the (laughs) after he finally came down to his i think you're diabetic he's like i've been i've been talking to all the docs here and we're going to try one more thing and after that i'm gonna have to send you to some sort of specialist Mm -hmm. and so did the a1c it came back i was 15.1 on my a1c so he said one, I don't know how you're not in a coma. Two, I'm not sure how you're not dead. He's all, thank God you work out as much as you do because I think this would have been, you would have died a long time ago. Hmm. And so he was thinking like you were diabetic for probably years. So I was uh, 27 when I was diagnosed and uh, he was thinking probably about 25 or something. Something screwy started happening with me. And hindsight, were you ever to, able to look back and say, oh, I remember this or that, or did it never kind the of only The only thing was the the nerves. Every once in a while, I'd, I'd get a nerve pain in my leg or my hand or hmm. something like that. But I was constantly drinking water. I was constantly eating. I was constantly supplementing and working out. So a lot of the signs would be masked by the life you were living. 100%. And, and so, um, I didn't pay any attention to it cause I thought, ah, I'm fine. Cause my, my mother was type one diabetic and then my aunts were type one diabetic and you know, it, it just goes back, you know, forever. Yeah. But so, so far I, I was good by 27 and then, you know, then it just, just went downhill from there so in terms of di- diabetes. At that age, was the idea like I'm 27, like I'm not getting it now because if your mom had it and your grandmother had it, you 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 felt like you crossed some sort of a goal line, right? You didn't you didn't have to look back for that. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. No, I no. I was like, hey, I'm 27. I work out like a maniac. I don't have any of the symptoms, and and any time that I would do a blood sugar, I'd be okay. Right. And you know, just just for you know S's and G's or whatever. Right. And uh, so I I didn't even think nothing about it, and that's why the doctor that was the last test he did was uh, the A1C, <laughs> the easiest one. The, the easiest one, yeah. absolutely. I did a nerve conduction study. Hmm. I did, oh God, like an MS study. I did like a CT scan because they were worried about all sorts of, uh, uh, you know, nerve and, and body uh, degeneration diseases. Um, After all the other things that they were looking for, did diabetes seem like, uh, like good news? <laughs> diabetes was confusing <laughs> 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 because it, it just didn't make any sense. Like I said, I was... I was working out and then at my job, I would, I would hustle and, and, and do stuff. And mm. so, you know, it was a labor intensive job and, and I was constantly moving. So, so you're, you so know, you're working out a lot, constantly moving at your job. So eating a lot makes sense. You drink a lot. So peeing a lot yeah. makes sense. Like there's a way. Absolutely. To yeah. Well, that's Absolutely. good. That's good for parents to hear of younger kids who are diagnosed because they're always 
hard on themselves for missing signs, but it's, you know, it's easy. It's hard, especially when like in kids, because they're, they're constantly hungry. They're constantly thirsty. Uh, they always want a, a nighttime glass of water. It doesn't matter how old they are. They just, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, well, it'll never buy you five more minutes, right? You're not going to yeah, sleep. Exactly. You're, like, you're like, just give me five minutes. I want to finish the show. Yeah. <laughs> I need water. Around. I can't go to sleep yet. Yeah, exactly. So when you're diagnosed 12 years ago, how do you start managing? Is it injections, pens? What did they do for you? Oh, it was... It was uh, they they started with like uh pills and stuff mm-hmm. metformin and something else and the only thing that did was take everything away from me that i had worked so hard for for like 5 years did they think you were <laughs> did they think you were type 2 well they they did but uh, and I, and i told them i was like this doesn't make any sense fellows because none of this is working and they were like right. yeah you you should have lost you know better blood sugars. You know, I, I, I lost a, a ton of weight cause I guess that's what it's supposed to do. And then, you know, it, it took all my muscle from me and, and, and everything. And then, uh, you know, then they got me on insulin and instantly. That's interesting. Everything went away. Yeah, of course. And yeah. even the family history didn't clue them in. See, and that's what I thought too. Right. But you know, like you said, it, it sometimes the obvious isn't the obvious, you know what I mean? It, it's, it's the last thing everybody, everybody looks for. Mm-hmm. No, it's interesting. Listen, I'd be lying if I said you were the first person to come on and say something similar. You know, there's very few people who come on and are like, hey, you know, I went into an office, a doctor looked at me and said, boom, you've got type 1 diabetes. You've got type 1 diabetes. Yeah, exactly. Right. Because there's always that like, oh, you're in good shape. You're you're too old. You know, all the things that aren't, you know, they're not real. 100%. Yeah. And then it's funny because I I went home later that night and then... uh, Oh, there's an actress. She has red hair. The juvenile, juvenile diabetes lady. She's all, whether you're three or 33. And I'm like, well, I'm 27. <laughs> <laughs> I fit right in the What's that? Listen, I've, oh. I've, I've interviewed people who have been diagnosed at 60. Oh, wow. So, you know, man, it's, it, I think, I think that it, because people used to call it juvenile diabetes, it was in people's head. Like you don't get that That's, after you're 18, you know? Exactly. You, you, it's stuck in your head. You got to be a kid. Yeah. You can be an adult and and still get it. Yeah. So okay. So you um. Now I'm interested. Before we get to why you're here, did you look to your mother for management once you knew you were type one, or did she feel like she was from a different era? Like, how do you make the decision about where to get that information? My life has been kind of. If you look at it on paper, it's been kind of sad. But I, I grew up a foster kid. Okay. So I I didn't have access to Too my hard. mother and or or anybody else in my family. So I, I was kind of kind of on an island by myself on on this one. Huh. Well, I guess then the idea of uh, you know there being karma and scores in the world and people being owed things probably is not real because when we get to the rest of what we're going to talk about, you would think that you'd think the foster kid thing would have paid you up. Uh, No, 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 not yet. Almost though. You're getting closer. So what is your situation now? Do you have, are you married? Do you have kids? Are you single? Uh, Absolutely. I, uh, I've been married since uh, September, 2000. Um, Same person. If you can believe that. Congratulations. And and we have uh three kids, 17, 12, and nine. Wow. Any of those and, kids? Yeah. Have, any of those kids type one? Luckily, no one oh, good for you. thus far. Uh we have one kid who has vitiligo. Um, but other than that, nothing nothing serious with, with anybody's health. Is vitiligo also autoimmune? It is. And that's why we're we're watching that one just 
you know, to be on the on the safe side. Yeah, I I think that um you'll see autoimmune problems run in families, and they don't always oh, yeah. they all don't always pop up as the same you know the same thing. Absolutely. Well, in terms of like autoimmune diseases, anybody can have, and I'd rather him have vitiligo than diabetes. That's for sure. Hey, no kidding. I, I've never, I've never put them in order, but I guarantee that would come up on my list prior. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, you get little white patches. Yeah. Oh, all right, cool. I'll take it. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So, do you pump now, or are you are you MDI? How do you manage now? No, I um, I do everything manually on my own. I I don't want anything attached to me yeah. at all. It's just I'm I'm weird and quirky like that. So I do everything. I do. I do finger stick. I do my middle finger on my left hand, and that's the only finger I pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I give myself in, injections with uh, syringes. How is it working out for you? I mean, obviously you like it for your lifestyle. Does it works well for your health? Yeah, oh, one hundred percent. Like my my A one C is almost down to quote unquote normal people's A one C. Good for you. In the fives? Yeah, damn near. I was five seven at at one point. I was six one the last time I went uh, went to the doctor. So wow, very well done. That's excellent. Yeah, my yeah my uh, my my overall goal is to try to quote unquote be normal. But anytime I get I get close to there, I'm more jittery than I like to be. When you get when you get lowered because you feel like you don't you don't want to get too low. Is that the concern? Yeah, it's the it's the it's the feeling of like not having enough blood sugar. That just that that weird jittery kind mm-hmm. of you could tell you're you're on the cusp of having a low blood sugar, but you're still quote unquote perfect. If that if that makes sense. Gotcha. Have you looked at? Well, I guess you don't want anything connected. I was going to ask if you had looked at a CGM, but you're not you're not interested in being connected. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not interested in anything like that. Hey, so listen, my, doing great. My dogs, my my dogs are interested. <laughs> Bring them over here. I'll I'll tell them about a continuous glucose monitor. Uh, <laughs> so nope i uh, I I like doing everything kind of on my own, being in charge uh, of 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 what I got going on, and not having to worry about something malfunctioning or getting something replaced or replanted. And yeah, man, I think if it works for you, I think it's beautiful. You know? Well, and plus, you know, when you when you have like a alone time, you don't want like a machine being in the way. You know what I mean? We have there's a, an episode that just went up last week that was um, all about uh, the female perspective of having sex with type one. And there's a guy that already came on and recorded his is going up soon. So I, I think I do know what you mean, because oh, I've just had someone okay. explain it to me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. See, there you go. Yeah. And that was and that was offered to me early on. But I was like. I'm like, where does it have to be? They're like, here. I'm like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> like, I'll just, I'll just give myself a shot. I'm using that spot for something else. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so, so Justin, you, uh, you don't have to. Obviously, I'm not asking you exactly where, but about where in the country do you live? Oh, I, I live in. Uh, well, geez, the, the world knows where I live now. Uh, well, Rancho Cordova, California, which okay. is about uh, 15 miles east of Sacramento. All right. And today, I don't usually timestamp these, but around this coronavirus, I am. Today's April 4th. When did you find out you had corona? Um, it was uh, March 16th. Okay. So not oh, a couple on the hand. Let me think. I'm going to do the math. Yeah, a, a couple weeks ago. But I, uh, I I started having symptoms March 4th. Okay. So there was a, there was some time in between before like an official diagnosis was, was made. Gotcha. So, so, so <laughs> hey, Mar- let me, no. let, I'll, I'll go in the room. Do what you gotta do. Yeah, yeah. 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 This dog's love Cause you. now, now the, oh yeah. the do- Oh, they love me. And they're, you know, they're going to bark at the wind and it's a nice stormy day today. Okay. So now I'm in the room. You're good. good so, to go. so March 4th, you start feeling it. You find out on the, what'd you say? I'm sorry. The 14th. 
the sixteenth. Yeah, the, uh, March sixteenth. March sixteenth. Okay, so you had you think you had it probably ten days before you were tested. So tell me about those first ten days. How did how did that go, and how did it lead you to getting tested? Um, well, a few days before March fourth, I just I started getting uh, winded walking around, and I was, I just felt uh, tired. Okay. So um, let's see, going back in uh, in my timeline, let's see, March fourth is when I got symptoms. So. Um, so March 4th is when I started getting symptoms, um, between March 4th and March 11th, I, I started progressively getting worse. Mm. And, uh, um, it started with a headache and all around the head headache. So picture your entire head hurting. So it's a, it's a strange headache. And then later that night I could, I could feel my lungs and it was a, that was a strange sensation and the discomfort for up until the 11th was about an inch, inch and a half strip from nipple to nipple, which if you know, anatomically, that's going to be your pulmonary artery, your pulmonary veins, and like the bronchial tube area for your lungs. And this was, this went on for days and it got progressively worse. It hurt more. Um, and then by the 11th, it's, it started spreading, uh, with my lungs, went to the emergency room on the 13th, and it was my entire lungs. And then fast forward a few days later, March 16th, um, it was the entire lung front, back, up, down, uh, and extreme, extremely painful to inhale and exhale. Um, nothing, nothing you can, nothing I could do relieved any pain, whether it was the headache or whether it was the lung aches. Um, it was constant. It didn't matter what I did. Sit down, lay down, stand up, walk. Um, there was no nothing good way really, to be. yeah, no, what no, about nothing? What about the headache pressure sharp? Like, did it affect your vision? Was it, it, was- it is, it, it is almost migraine like without the aura and without the one side that, that migraines get. Okay. Um, it was along the, 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 the pain of a migraine, but your entire head. Wow. So, um, neck, back of the head, temples, top of the head, forehead, um, and just nothing alleviates it. How long did that Time last? That, that was for a solid 29 days. Oh, geez. Okay. Did yeah. you get accustomed to it at any point or was it constantly painful? Constantly painful, uh, constantly painful. And you just expect it to be there and it's just there. Wow. Um, same thing with the lung pain. And, uh, the, the other, the other symptom is, is shortness of breath, uh, giving up and walking 10 feet to the bathroom. Um, that's probably the, the worst thing. And the thing that hangs on the most is the shortness of breath. Would you say, I mean, has someone characterized the, you know, would they score the level of like, was it obviously not mild? What did they call it when, once they told you you had it? So what I've read is they, they categorize it in obviously asymptomatic, which is nothing. Hmm. You're a carrier of it. Uh, mild, moderate, uh, uh, dangerous and critical. Mm-hmm. And so I would, I would have been in the moderate category right before dangerous and obviously not critical because critical patients get intubated. And that never, did you ever get close to that to your feet? Uh, n- no, luckily, um, all of my vitals were good mm-hmm. and my oxygen level throughout my body, the lowest it ever dipped was 96. Um, uh, but it, it stayed stable 
my blood pressure stayed stable. The only thing that was raised was my pulse, and that would be between 100 and 125 beats per minute uh, sitting. Wow. And so it constantly felt like I was running. Because of the shortness of breath, you think? Just the disease. For whatever okay. reason, it really amps up your heart. Um, wh- while your your blood might be saturated with oxygen, for whatever reason, your the, the heart is pumping like there isn't enough. So it's just... This this whole disease is a is is a mystery. All you need to do to try the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump is go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. And there you'll be able to get a absolutely free, no obligation demo of the Omnipod sent directly to you. I'm telling you, it takes mere moments to fill out the form. And the next thing you know, your Omnipod is going to be flying through the mail right to your home. When it gets there, you'll be able to put the pump on to wear it and see what you think. You'll be able to sleep with it, bathe with it. And other activities, um, you know, while you're walking around your house, quarantined for the COVID-19 disaster. Anyway, get outside, go for a run, go for a walk, walk the dog, dust up high, vacuum under the carpet. You can't vacuum under the carpet, vacuum under the, what is that thing? The sofa, vacuum under the sofa, you know, really give that pump a workout and see what it would be like to wear it every day. I think you're going to find that once you put the Omnipod on, you don't even realize it's there anymore. And once you've come to that conclusion for yourself, you'll be able to get back in touch with Omnipod and get your order started. My daughter has been using the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump since she was four years old and she'll be 16 this summer. It is an indispensable part of how we manage Arden's type 1 diabetes. Arden's A1C has been between 5'2 and 6'2 for over five years, almost six years now. The Omnipod, coupled with her Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor, is how we make that happen. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Scott, why don't you tell me about that Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor? Well, I'm glad you asked. The Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor is FDA approved for zero finger sticks. That means you can wear this monitor and see your blood sugar, not just the number, but the direction and speed that it's moving in real time, constantly, right there on your iPhone or Android device. There's even a receiver if you don't want to use the phone to see your numbers. You know what else the G6 does? It allows the wearer to share their information with loved ones. Imagine your sister in Calabasas, or your child up the street at school. They have type 1 diabetes, and you're following them right there on your phone. I can open my phone up right now and see what my daughter's blood sugar is. 74. That easy. I actually just did that. I picked up my phone and told you my daughter's blood sugar in real time. Her blood sugar is stable. It is neither climbing nor falling right now. And you could know that for the people in your life. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. What I just said is the mere tip of the iceberg of reasons why you would want a Dexcom CGM. 
We make all kinds of advanced dosing decisions with the information that comes back from Arden's Dexcom. And you could too. Again, I'll say this. A1C between 5.2 and 6.2 for almost six years. Here's the other part I didn't tell you earlier. Zero diet restrictions. Arden eats whatever she wants. The links for the advertisers are also available at juiceboxpodcast.com and in the show notes of the podcast player you're using right now. Arden's results are her own and yours may vary. That's it for the ads today, and there's a lot of show left. You and I are actually talking. This is the fourth. So from when you kind of felt it till now is a solid month. 100%. I I probably stopped having symptoms a day or two ago. And today, you know, I've been calling it my recovery on Twitter. So I'm probably day seven from feeling okay and probably like day two of not feeling anything. Okay. Let me go back for a minute. And you said something. I want to see if you can put more words to you. You could feel your lungs. Absolutely. I don't know what that means. I don't know how to like, can you. And and neither did I at first. It was the strangest feeling because, you know, you, you look at your arm, you see your arm, but you don't feel your arm. Mm -hmm. It's just there, just like your lungs. Um, and the only thing I can liken it to once the pain progressed, if you've ever had pneumonia, or if you've ever gone outside when it's really cold and take a deep breath really fast yeah. and that cold that's in your lungs that hurts before your body warms it up. Right. That is that that is what the pain is like, but doubled or tripled and with every inhale and every exhale. So when you're feeling like that, like what do you what do you do? Like was there any comfort? Did you <laughs> no. sleep, lay down? There was nothing? There was no comfort. Uh, sleep was hard to get because I'd be woken up every two to three hours um, hurting, basically, to, to breathe. Um, and <laughs> I snore. I snore like a freight train. Right. And, uh, and I tell my family it's because I'm scaring the bears away. And they said, but you're so loud. I'm like, do you see any bears? And never they been said, a bear no. in the house. I'm helping. That's right. And I said, you're, you're, you're goddamn welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea what daddy's doing to protect us. I've got a lot of jobs. <laughs> 100%. So I'm protecting everyone from the bears. So the entire time I had this, because I never got to sleep very deeply, um, I didn't snore hardly once. Um, you probably weren't wasn't inhaling until, very deeply, I would imagine, right? I probably wasn't. Yeah. yeah, I probably wasn't because just, you know, how your body just kind of slows down as you sleep. Mm-hmm. So uh, it wasn't until the first 24 hours of taking prednisone where I slept for a solid 12 hours had I had any real sleep. And I snored that night. So she knew that something good was happening exactly. because I was snoring. Well, well, between the time that you feel like you were sick and you get it tested – I'm looking at the calendar and I'm remembering where I was. Uh, this was the ramp up to this. It was just starting to be talked about like mainstream yep. news. At what point did you think, yo, I've got that thing they're talking about on TV? About a, about a week before. Um, I, cause I, everything was blooming at the time. Okay. And so every year these trees bloom and it messes my head up and I feel terrible. And then everything stops blooming and mm-hmm. I'm fine. So for about, three to five days, 
that's what I thought was going on. Okay. Um, and then I started getting winded walking up our steps cause we live in a, live in an apartment. And so by the fourth, I woke up with a headache and I thought, well, that's terrible. Hmm. And so I, you know, still thinking it's allergies. And then by the 11th, I, uh, I emailed my doctor. He was out of town. So, uh, a fill in doc sent me a, um, uh, a form letter describing COVID-19 symptoms and that was it. And so on, uh, on the 11th, I just, by that time it had hurt. My lungs hurt all the time. Mm. Um, the 13th, I went into the ER. They did a whole workup on me, uh, did a chest X-ray, all that fun stuff. The 13th, they gave me Tamiflu, they gave me Motrin, and an inhaler. And um, I only took the inhaler and the Motrin uh, for like 16 hours. Because every time I used it, my lungs hurt more and my symptoms developed stronger symptoms. Interesting. And so it's like it, it just lit a fire on everything. Right. So I felt terrible on the 13th to go into the emergency room. And then by the 16th, I, I honestly, to goodness, thought I, I, I might die from this thing. Wow. Um, I went in, felt terrible. They ran the same battery of tests, little extra blood work. Um, and then my, my ER doctor came back and said, um, um, so good news, bad news. Good news is you don't have the flu. Bad news is we're pretty much 100% positive you have the COVID-19. Um, but we can't give it to you because you're not dying. So we have to save our tests for the dying so we know how to save them if that's what they have. So what they had done is they processed of elimination um, anything it could possibly be in terms of breathing, pulmonary problems, heart problems, yeah. um, you know, any, sort of, any sort of scenario, situation, pneumonia. Uh, my lungs look great. There was no issues. Um, so they had the, uh, the CDC on the phone and the infectious disease doctors that they had there at the hospital. And uh, they were pretty confident that I had it. And the doctor said, we're 100% sure. Mm -hmm. But there's that little bit because we can't, quote unquote, give you a test. Yeah. But you have the classic sign, uh, all those symptoms, especially the headache. and Yeah. 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 And it's still bothersome to me because um, they're still describing it as like a flu. And I had just gotten over the flu uh, Super Bowl week. Okay. And... I had gone through a round of Tamiflu, and this flu knocked me, knocked me down. Right. It. I was very sick, uh, even on the Tamiflu. Um, and it's funny because a lot of people that had the flu in early February has have also gotten the COVID nineteen. So it's just you know it's just a weird happenstance that uh, you know a lot that I've spoken to on on Twitter have right. have gotten uh, symptoms of COVID nineteen either diagnosed or. Their uh, their primary care said, "Well, we think you got it, but there's no test." So, you know, uh, much like the ER doc has told me, uh, a lot of primary care physicians across the country and the world have told people, "Hey, you're you're stable. We feel comfortable sending you home. Now your body has to fight it." Yeah. Well, in that time, in those first, I don't know, two weeks, how was your blood sugar? Like, how was all that? over the place? Yeah. And that, and that was the thing that I should have paid attention to because before the fourth, for a couple of weeks before that, my blood sugars were so high. I would spike during the day and then I'd crash at night, spike during the day, crash at night. I wasn't even for two, two and a half weeks. Hmm. And generally when I get sick, but I have symptoms, that's what happens to me is I, I get high. Right. Um, 
but I was feeling terrific, you know, other than I thought it was allergies, but I was feeling fine. But my blood sugars were just all over the place. Gotcha. Um, just for context, how, how often do you test a finger stick? Uh, generally about five times a day. And so you were seeing spikes that were significantly. Oh, I was, I was in, I was in the 350, 400 range. And that's, that doesn't happen, especially in, in like a lot of days I give myself a shot upon eating mm -hmm. and it was like, I gave myself nothing. Okay. The food went and in so, and just acted like there was no insulin in there at all. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. It's, it was like the, it's like my body wasn't accepting the insulin at all. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm back to being normal now, Okay, but in the 29 days and like a couple of weeks lead up. So we're talking almost 40 some odd days here. My blood sugars were just boom were through you, the roof. Were you conscious of the effects of high blood sugars and bouncing around or were you so sick you couldn't feel them? Um, while I was sick, I couldn't really feel them because generally I get thirsty or I get a little tired. But while I was in like the meat of the sickness, if mm. you will, um, I, I couldn't really feel being high, being low at all. Gotcha. So it's crazy. Dude, that's insane. Oh, it, it, it truly is. <laughs> yeah. This, this virus is insidious, man. It's, it's the strangest thing because it's, it's completely different to so many people. You know, while a group of people will have the same symptoms, a completely different group is going to die within days. Yeah. And, an, and another completely different group is going to be asymptomatic and be a carrier for it. It makes no sense. Uh, well, as you're talking, I'm just reflecting back a week ago. It's already it's it's been up on the podcast. You can go listen to it. There's an ER or not an ER nurse. There's a nurse from New York City who has type one who's had it, but she had it so mild that she just talked about you know yeah headaches a little bit. It wasn't as bad as you know it wasn't wasn't good, but it wasn't as bad. And you know yeah her, even her, her even my family completely different than yours. Oh, well, 100%. Yeah. And even my family, while we've been quarantined and I was suffering from this thing, there was about a 16-hour window of weirdness um, where my 17-year-old got sick, my 9-year-old got sick, and my wife had chest pains for about 16 hours. And it all came and went throughout their body. And they were done with it. And you do and wonder if they didn't just have it, but they dealt with it or, or they were more asymptomatic, right? Yeah, because you know if they were just walking around going to school – they more than likely had it mm. and they've been giving it to everybody else if they were still in school, which we haven't been for like three weeks now. Yeah. But not only that, when you obviously were infected at whatever point, it was so early in the process. Nobody was cognizant of that. You were living in your house and washing dishes and touching things. And if you 100% man, yeah. I was still going to malls, buying shoes for the kids. I was, uh, going to target. I was, you know, doing what people do. We were, we were slowly starting to try to expose ourselves less because I've been following this thing since December, January. Yeah. And with the, the Chinese reaction and just seeing the videos that were escaping from there and just just the overall uh, feeling of it. And so um, I've been talking to my wife about it because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm medically trained. And so it, stuff like this interests me. Mm -hmm. And so uh, – I talked to my wife about it. I said, we got to be prepared for this. If this thing gets over here, it, it's going to explode like wildfire. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, she was like, oh, all right, honey. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's what wives do. Yeah. 
And there he goes and, thinking he knows something again. There he goes again. And so, Justin and his so, thoughts. Uh, yeah, exactly. All these conspiracy theories, weirdo. Well, my wife has a biology degree and works in the pharma field. And she okay. was telling me real early on, she's like, hey, at some point, everyone in the world is going to have had that virus. Yep. And I was like, what? Yep. She goes, it, "It's it, everyone's going to get it. I was like, yeah. okay. Yeah. 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 Thanks, sunshine. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks, honey. Love you too. Have was, a great day at work. She's hundred percent right. You know, she just, Oh you yeah. Know. Yeah. Well, and I told my wife and this was, this was before Seattle. I said, God, if this, if this comes here, we are so unprepared. Mm-hmm. There's so many people out walking around and nobody even knows about this thing. Yeah. It, all, all it takes is one guy that was here, you know, somebody, two months ago. Somebody to come through China and yeah. before anybody yeah. knew it. And that's that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you the, know, and, and, and not to like, you know, be a Trumpster and, and cheerlead Trump, but but you gotta you gotta think that the government knew something was up because when did when did Trump like cancel flights from China? It was like early January, wasn't it? And so you're, you're wondering now if it that, how much that had to do with yeah. I'll tell you what, I'll look. Hold yeah, on. Yeah, so the you know, and this was two months before it came to America. So you know, Seattle had it first, and then. You know, and then uh, some weirdness started happening in Italy, and uh, and then at the same time California. But it was so light that you know nobody was really paying attention. So when I finally got it, I was in front of the wave. Hey, you and, know, well, you. I mean, obviously you would know because it's been your whole life for a month. But uh, yeah, I'm looking at a Bloomberg report here, commercial flight cancellations due to uh, they called it SARS Cove Two began in yeah, January. Yeah, SARS Cove Two. Yeah, at the very beginning, that's what the name was. Right, began in January and were limited primarily in the beginning to Wuhan. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. Oh, look at this. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. So there was, they were talking about it. They were like, "This is bad. Oh, we yeah. need to get ahead of this." Right. Yeah. Well, and see, and that's and that's the thing. But you know, you know how modern day society is. I mean, we have so much information at our fingertips, but most of the people just kind of, you know. Sparingly look at it and just kind of, eh. Hey, I, you know, <laughs> you know I was just I mean? remembering yesterday talking to my son because the week after you, the week after the, so the week of like the third, it ended, I think, with the 13th in March. I forget what week that was exactly. I should find a calendar so I could say. But um, I was in Florida with my son. He was pl- he playing baseball. And, oh, my. And so um, it was becoming clear, you know, on, yeah. on the 11th of March, a Wednesday, they were telling the kids that the baseball season, because this was for college, was going to be suspended. Sure. The NCAA was going to suspend the season. By the tw- by the 12th, they were starting to talk about canceling it. And on the 13th, as we were getting ready to leave, I mean, I- I'm saying to my son, like, you know, we got to get home. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, and and the, there's a woman next to me, and she says, hey, they're, they're going to extend the kids' uh, spring break a week, because they play baseball down in Florida during their spring break, right? And um, she goes, do you think the kids will be back? I said, I don't think they're ever going back. And she's like, yeah. she's like, what? I'm like, I said, are you not paying attention to this? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You know, like, and, there you go. And it was just not on her radar, not a, nope. not a big news junkie to her, you know, some guy in, you know, it, you know as, as much as she knew about it, somebody in China ate a bat. That's what she thought. You, That's you, it. You know what I mean? And now, by the way, do we know the it's a disease in a bat that transferred to a what are they from from my understanding and um a lot of the information i get is from uh oh i can't remember the guy's name right off the top of my head but 
from, from my understanding, it, it the bat thing has taken off. But from my understanding, it came pangolin. from a, a, a pangolin. Yes, right. it came from a pangolin and then transferred to human. And generally, the pangolin is uh, endemic with coronavirus. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it has never jumped from pangolin to human before. And that's what made this so unique. And okay. then at the same time, this it's a it's a retrovirus so it doesn't replicate itself it needs to take a healthy cell take over that cell and make that cell mm-hmm. make more virus not so the cells not making or splitting or or doing anything that that cell is supposed to do like a lung cell but it 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 inf- infects it and then makes more virus that yeah. way no yeah so, so it's yeah it, it's like a zombie virus it it it, it doesn't it doesn't uh, uh, procreate on its own. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. I've, there's a great video I have. I'll put it on, uh, up on Facebook so people can see it, but there's just this really wonderful video that explains how it works, like how it takes over a healthy cell and destroys it and moves on. And, and this yeah. is really crazy. Yeah, so, um, science daily, uh, said there, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm trying to find it here. Uh, well, I, I know that uh, that's that's why a lot of the people um, when they're when they're sick, because, you know, when when your lungs get infected with something, mm-hmm. your body uh, makes uh, a response. And generally with that response, you get swelling, you get inflammation, you get something. Yeah. And what the mucus inside your lungs is trying to do is corral that virus and then it drops at the bottom of your lungs and then you. Oop, Justin. Hold on one second. Justin, I lost I, you. You're back. I'm sorry, I lost you for a second. You you were talking about you said mucus, so, oh. then I lost you for 20 seconds or so. Okay, no, no, no problem. I was uh, you were. Um, I was going to. You 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 were looking something up, so I was just filling filling uh, air. To no, I, I enjoyed what you're saying. I just I literally you I didn't hear you for like 20 seconds. Oh yeah. Oh no. Okay. Um. Uh. What I, I think what I was saying was that uh, you know in in a in immune response your body causes inflammation and in your lungs and your mucous membranes, it, it causes mucus to, to appear that way the virus can't get to your vital body parts. Mm-hmm. And so it, in your lungs, it drops down and then, you know, you, you expel it by coughing it up. Yeah. And so where most people, it's a dry cough. Cause that's, that's what I had the entire time, a complete dry cough. Um, what this virus supposedly does is it gets into the air sac, the, uh, the, the avioli, and, um, and it hardens them. So it's not like a, a liquid mucus. It's a thick sludge oh. and it gets in these air sacs and it hardens them. So it, it doesn't, uh, it can't be expelled. Hmm. So th- that, because it, it, everything's dry, there's no phlegm. And so that's what I've, I've read. And the people that are intubated from my understanding there's no liquid in their lungs. It's because their air sacs are concrete and you can't get any air into those, the air sacs in, in your lungs. So the intubation is to keep you alive until hopefully the virus passes through you. They're hoping to God. Yeah. And that's, that's what, that's why they gave me the prednisone. Uh, they gave it to me for about five days and it was just long enough to knock down the immune response. Uh, so I could have some comfort and mm-hmm. breathing and it took about three days before I could breathe without pain while yeah. my lungs still hurt. Um, but but through the whole process, everything was dry. There was never a rattle. There was never anything in my lungs. Mm. 
Well, before we move on, I did. I'm on ScienceDaily.com, and there's just one sentence here that that's pertinent to what we were saying. Is most experts agree that bats are a natural reservoir for SARS-CoV-2, but mm. but an intermediate host was needed for it to jump from bats to humans, so it couldn't get from bats to humans. And they were starting to think it was snakes, but now they really believe it was the the pangolins. The pangolin, yeah, yeah. yeah that's a, that's what I read. Yeah late February, early March. Right. I mean, before, before I started having symptoms, I, I read that and watched a video on YouTube about that. And I thought, Oh, Oh God, mm. this is going to, this is going to be bad. Yeah. And then that's when they started doing the, you know, they started canceling things and then the kind of quarantining then really quarantining. So, yeah. well, and you know, it's, it's so hard to like, how would you, I mean, I guess you could, but how do you just go to a nation? Look, I know you don't see any sick people yet, but get in your damn houses. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Please, yeah, yeah. please God, get in your house. Get yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know how, how we got anybody to, um, comply with that, you know, cause I, I was on the fence, honestly, myself, I was like, ah, gosh, I don't know. And then I got it and I was like, Oh, this is, this is real. And Everybody that was inside. the whole, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> don't look, <laughs> go back <laughs> turn around so so, so 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 quite seriously this is not like obviously some people can get it more mildly like sarah sure. was on the show but but yours is really only a moderate you know and yeah. what you describe is terrible oh it's I, it, it's awful yeah. and it's and it's solid like from the time you start showing symptoms until about the day before you stop having symptoms it's a solid headache it's a solid lung lung pain. Um, so like the inhaling when, when you're normally when you when you get sick normally, there's good and bad times. Like you start feeling worse at night, but you know you get up in the day and you feel a little better yeah. once you get moving. None yeah. of that was happening. You were at one level of. I was one level, but as with every sickness, you're always worse in the morning and at night. Okay, Is um, that still held true. Yeah that that still held true, um, but everything else was it's solid. Like there there's no. No relief whatsoever. That's something. Now, have you been inside long enough and past the point of being um, contagious yet? Like for your family, like how? Have, how I mean, you got three kids and a wife, and you're in an apartment. How are yeah. you guys handling that? Uh, the, actually, this is like this is great. This is like everybody's. <laughs> this is everybody's wish. Not going to school, being home and playing video games all day. And uh, sitting down and watching movies, so it's like it's like a vacation. <laughs> but, but, but but nobody freaked out. Like you, your kids didn't look at you for a little while. Like yo, you stay over there, or was there? No, because no. um, I've always been pretty open with my kids right. about uh, what things mean. You know, because with, with kids, kids are curious. So if you give them just enough information to pique their curiosity. And to settle it down, then they're okay. You start getting into the nitty gritty details, and that's when you freak kids out. So, yeah. um, I'm, I've always been fairly honest with my kids. Um, so we had talked about it. I talked about it with my wife, and then when I got it, it became real. They were scared, but you know the the kids felt I would pull through, and you know nobody freaked out, nobody cried. You know it, if if we did, it was it was away from the kids, and I'd talk to my wife in private moments and. I had a, I had a couple down days where, like I said, there was twice I felt like I'd die, and then one day, like the gravity of the situation was just too much for me. Okay. Um, and emotionally, so, it got it got a hold of oh, you emotionally. 
Oh, well, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Like, I, I think I cried the entire day um, because I felt so terrible and because it's just, it's heavy. It's really freaking heavy. Yeah. This thing is like killing people and I have it. And it's just, it, it, it was, it got hard. Were you able to avoid news coverage of it during the, the month or were you, were you able to look? Um, we, we've been hit or miss with the news. Uh, I've, I've done a, I've done a, a lot of media, um, and I haven't really seeked it out after I've done it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we, we'll watch the news just to see what's going on, but we've kind of stopped because, um, especially when a lot of people started dying and I was really in the midst of it. Yeah. Um, that was, that was a little tough to take. That, that was, that, that hit a little too close to home. So probably about, the 17th or 18th, we just, we just stopped watching the news and being curious about it. And, and just, we've, we've kept to movies for the most part. Mm. No, I mean, I, I'm just wondering if you were even like, like even like considering like just avoiding it altogether, like just not wanting to hear about it at all. No, 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 because I still want to know what's happening. Like okay. I said, I'm kind of a news junkie and I, I, I like no I like information, I like knowledge. Um, but the, the the coverage is just wall to wall. You can't escape it. So yeah. you know, even when you're trying to watch the weather for the news, somehow coronavirus gets put in there for the weather. So it's just it's just one of those things where it is what it is. Everybody's curious, and that's why the the uh, the Twitter post took off the way it did because people were just curious because everything has just been CDC guidelines and um, uh, uh, you know uh, official statements and that doesn't really put a personal spin on it a, a personal take right um, and so people just had questions and I even said that I was like hey you know what if uh, if somebody else had this I'd have questions too so here we go so you're answering the questions well and you know a Google search so first of all uh, Prior to having uh, coronavirus, how many Twitter followers did you have? I had 50. <laughs> so you were just a dad on Twitter. Like every once in a while, you'd pick it up and be like, come on, hit the ball, like stuff like that on Twitter. 100%. Yeah. It was like, hey, this is kind of cool. But mostly what I did, honestly, is I'd, I'd troll the the local news stations and I and I post GIFs on whatever they would post. And <laughs> I would make them laugh. And so basically I was like a troll. I'd go have fun on Twitter and I'd log off of it. And, uh, we, I had like a, I mean, a small little community of yeah. A's fans that, uh, that, that kind of got to know me and I got to know them and, uh, and that was it. And, and probably the other half of my followers of the 50 were, well, I'm not kidding. were bots because it would be like, <laughs> John, one seven eight five two six two seven three 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 five five, and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> His name is John, but it's like a picture of a naked chick, and says, "I love you, long time." You so know, you, it was so one you of those. Basically, things. had twenty five real followers, and I'm looking right now. You have nine thousand seven hundred and twenty seven followers right now. <laughs> yeah, it's and, crazy, and that really at, is at from one, saying out loud, "I have coronavirus." That that's all that was wow. was I have coronavirus, and and it got up to. I think it got up to 11,000 at one point. Um, I remember 10,300 and now it's gone down because <laughs> they figured you know, out they're going to start talking about uh, sending out gifts to your, <laughs> yeah, I'll start, start sending out gifts again and just having fun. But now it's uh now it, I'm, I'm trying to like, you know, 
do something positive with this momentum yeah. and, uh, and, and help and, and still try to get the, the word out. Cause you know, for a lot of people, like I, I had Corona and now I'm better and that's the end of the story for them. But there's so many people that are just now getting it. And I still get hundreds of questions and thousands of responses. Oh yeah, brother. Per, you were, you, per post. You were early on, man. This is just happening now. You just happened. Oh, yeah. You were well, you were out in front. You were you were wearing that, you know, you were wearing the high wasted jeans before other people knew about it. That's all. Oh yeah, yeah dude. Yeah, I, yeah. I exactly I had the zoot suit before it was cool. <laughs> yeah, now everyone knows. Now listen, um I, I just saw, I didn't realize this. When baseball season starts up, are you going to throw out the opening day pitch for the A's? That's the opening day. That's that's what's happening. All right. Listen, I'm going to ask a serious question. All the pain you went through for a month. <laughs> is it seem like a fair trade to throw out opening day first pitch? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be treated like royalty that day. So you're damn right. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> that is very, very cool. Like, I, I, I don't know that I would trade for coronavirus for it. But if you had to have no. it, that's a nice little no. payday at the end. It was a nice little thing. And, yeah. and that's and that was really cool. Like, that was uh, uh, Dave Cavill or Dave Cavall or however you want to say president it. Of the, the, the president of the A's. The president of the A's. He um, he messaged me. Like, I didn't search him out. He messaged me at, like, midnight. Right. <laughs> and, and I was blown away. I took a, took a screenshot of it, and I sent it to my kids at night because we have this, like, family group chat thing. Mm-hmm. And... And my wife saw it because she, obviously she was worried about me because I had to go up and go to the bathroom. Um, and so, so she goes, she goes, oh my God, I can't believe it. That's amazing. And then the next day the kids wake up and they don't even look at the, the family chat. My son sees it in ESPN wow. as soon as he woke up. He goes, fun. dad, you're on ESPN. <laughs> I was like, shut up. <laughs> so he comes in and shows me. I was like, oh my God, I'm on ESPN. That's so cool. Well, listen, they got nothing else to talk about. There's no baseball to talk about. They have to, they have to fill it. They got to do something. something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's very, very cool. I'll tell you, I reached out to you very late at night and I'll tell you a little inside baseball secret about podcasts. I, I, if I reach out to somebody I'm interested in having on publicly, I have a number of podcasts who will then go, Oh, Scott's trying to get that person. Then they try to get it. Right. So I had to, I tweeted at you, for me, it was like three o'clock in the morning. I saw you on and I was oh like, so I tweeted at you, you tweeted back. And then I said, DM me. And then I went back and deleted my tweets so nobody could see. <laughs> and I was oh like, man, the, the podcasting business is cutthroat. It's cutthroat. And I, and I felt the entire time I was doing it, I was like, this is ridiculous. I am an adult, <laughs> you know? Um, absolutely the silliest thing in the world but i didn't want anybody else to get you so i was like i'm gonna get him first (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna get him first well i did have um there was god on that initial post Mm -hmm. there was uh, i i think the total number is about 17 million people have read that post wow because you know you know how, how you get your own personal analytics not just the likes or the retweets yeah and so 17 million people read that thing um and so it was at one point it was impossible to keep it was hard to keep up with just 50 people anytime anybody would respond because you had to get like 10 or 15 responses and it would just kind of be all over the place and you gotta find them you know and all that fun stuff Mm -hmm. and so with millions of people interacting with one thing i I was lost so i'd go back periodically and scroll through 
And like, there was like, Hey, can we talk to you? Hey, can we talk to you? Hey, can we talk to you? It's yeah. like, <laughs> I follow saw- me. Yeah. Follow me. And then DM me. It's so much easier. You, you weirdos. I saw, um, the other day, someone tweeted at you and asked you to come on this podcast and we had already been set up and you answered the person. Like, I think I'm scheduled to do that. Like it was really <laughs> you're like, look, I don't a hundred percent know. Uh, but yeah. I think that, I think I recognize what you're saying to me, which, that's, that's which is right. really that's amazing. Right. Um, and so you really do, you know, you want to do something with this. I think that, I mean, I, I should end this by asking you, you know, I, I, I don't usually ask simple questions like this. It seems so, uh, uh, just elementary, but do you have a message for people who, who don't have it or do have it? Or, I mean, say what you want to say to people. My message has been the same from the very first day. Uh, somebody asked to talk to me and the message has been heed the warnings. The government's telling you, um, they're not taking your Liberty. It's not a conspiracy theory. They're not trying to tank the economy on purpose. Believe me, there's one person on this planet that wants to tank the economy less than Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he wants it going. He wants to be reelected. Yeah. So if he had his wishes, everybody would be at work. Right. Um, so, and same thing with Gavin Newsom here in California. Uh, the last thing in the world he wants to do is have California be in another recession because we just kind of got out of the 2008 deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my message has always been heed the warning. They're doing it to protect you. And more importantly, the the people around you. Yeah, everyone because else. Everyone else. Because while you might be young and healthy and a marathon runner um, and you take care of yourself, you might be like a vector for it, like a mosquito. You might carry the disease to your parents, to your grandparents, and then they get sick because grandpa has COPD. It's not about your health. And your liberty and the government telling you what to do. No, it's it's about other people's health and trying to save them as well as you. Because um, I just read uh, some twenty-year-old kid died just yesterday. Well, that's last what I was going to tell you. I was listening to Doctor uh, Peter. I think it's Houts. I'm not 100 percent sure how he says his last name, but he was talking today about a lot of the data we have about it not affecting younger people. That that is wrong. It's from China. And that, believe it or not, you might not think about this, but people, you know, of Chinese descent have different makeups than other people do, too. So as it moves across the globe, it's going to affect different people differently. There was a a quick study done of of data. So it was a it was a, a fairly small data set of about seven to nine hundred cases. And it went through all the blood types. Um, you know, O, A, A, B, A, negative, positive, all that stuff. Um, and there's more people affected that have type A blood than the rest. Now, you know, just because something is happening doesn't mean that's the reason, but more people that have gotten the disease and have been royally sick or have died have had, uh, type A blood. And I happen to be A positive with my blood. And it, it got a hold of you pretty good. It got a hold of me really well. Yeah. And I don't think, I think my kids are, O, my wife is, O, and so, you know, and it just barely went through them. You know, so there's, there's a, a lot of anecdotal evidence on this thing that makes it just an, an insidious thing. Do you remember when you were a kid and you first learned that there are microscopic bugs living on your skin? 
And you, you, you know what I mean? You were like freaked out and then you realize it's just how my body works. It's not a big deal. You- my, my wife was an adult when I told her that there's microscopic bugs on your eyelashes. You should have seen her face turn green when I told her that. <laughs> well, my point is, is that there's processes happening constantly in your body, in the world that you that go unseen. So yep. for every person who gets some sort of a virus and you never realize it, you, you know, you maybe could look back a week later and say, I didn't feel great Tuesday and Wednesday, but it didn't slow you down that very much. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the world that's unseen all the time. This just happens to be something that we we can see. And yeah. and like you said, not in everybody. And nope. so, you know, but the the worst cases, the more extreme situations, I think, listen, for me, I think it dictates taking staying indoors and and distancing yourself very seriously, you know? Yeah. And, and I've been doing everything I can. And that's why I I agree to this. Well, that's the whole reason why I uh, decided to post anyway, because I just did it for friends and family because I had friends and family. Well, Yeah. You weren't talking to anybody except 25. I wasn't talking to anybody. Yeah, exactly. I think the most interactions I ever had on Twitter was 30 people. And that was like, that was a huge thing. I was like, Oh my God, I had 30 people. Look at this. Justin, you live in a park. You could have opened your window in that apartment complex and yelled and probably reached more people than your Twitter was going to get. Way more people. <laughs> ah, shut up. How long did it take? What happened? Like, uh, about the tweet, because it, it occurs to me that the tweet is not dissimilar to the virus. It, you know, it went to 25 people. And before you know it, there are, there are 17 million people seeing it. How did it work? Was it a retweet? Like, do you, can you see the genesis of it? From, from when I, I got out of the emergency room and we, we went to the car and her and I talked about it. And I said, you know what? I, th- I think I want to, I think I want to, put this on social media and she goes she's like i I don't want you to because it's kind of like it's it's our privacy we i I don't want anybody to to know like our dirty laundry right for lack lack of a better term and i I was like i I don't know like it's it's pretty serious like i i know of people just had conversation oh eff it i'm going to the bar yeah seriously and yeah and 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 like the day prior i was like you know what no i want to make this real for people so friends and family you know, I'm going to let them know. Boom, sent it off. When I got home about an hour later, we, we drove across town to the back home. Yeah. Uh, 20, 2,200 people had uh, retweeted the tweet. Hmm. And I looked at my wife and I went, um, I'm really sorry. She goes, why? I said, 2,200 people have retweeted this. And she goes, oh, my God, you're kidding me. And I'm like, <laughs> no, no, I'm really sorry. So – I don't know, a couple hours later, we went to bed. Uh, it was like nine o'clock. <laughs> Six hundred and ninety thousand people had read the uh, the tweet, Jeez. and then <laughs> by the time I woke up, it was one point one million. And now I think it's at seventeen or something along those lines. Do you remember what you wrote? It was um, "Don't be a moron." I, I've I've got the disease. Uh, this is real. Don't sleep on it you know, stay inside or something like that. And, and, and with my picture, with my mask on in the, in the ER bed and sent it and didn't even think about it again. And when I got home, I was like, uh, this was just for people to, you know, people close to me. I, I I can't believe what's happened here. And that was at like two, 2000 people. Wow. 
Dude, that's crazy. That, I mean, it's not unexpected. It's just no. It's insane. It's, it's weird because well, it's weird too because I was the first. I, I was I was the first, and what everybody has said, they were like, "Yeah, we hear what the news is saying. We hear what what the government's saying, but it's not real. You made it real to me. Okay. We we look forward to hearing from you because you've made us less scared." Um, you know, I, I, I only downloaded Twitter because I wanted to follow you. And I was like, what? <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? I'm your, I'm your pathway to Twitter. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, because exactly. now That's they're hoping to like, follow along. Well, listen, I can tell you that putting up an episode with somebody who had type one and had a mild strain of it made people comfortable, but it's because they decide to take from it. Oh, look, it's mild. It's just going to be mild. And that's just one person. So, you know, I'm excited yeah. to have you on. I know it sounds crazy, but because you had a, a more severe case because they can see, look, it could happen to somebody else and uh, in a different way. And I think it's important for them to understand, like, the, listen, there's a lot of uh, good that would come from comfort during this time. And I definitely don't want people to be anxious and scared, but they also shouldn't be ill-informed. Y- 100%. You know, that just makes sense to me. So. 100%. Yeah. And you know, that was the whole, the whole genesis of it. That's the whole reason why I, I tweeted it. And then it became some sort of like, I, I'm their voice now. And it, 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 then it became, well, now this, this became a priority in my life. And then it, then it became like a responsibility. Yeah. And so, you know, while, and, and you know, it, it also helped me keep my mind off of what I was going through. So I would spend hours on Twitter just, reading and liking and responding and retweeting things and keeping my mind busy on something other than my suffering, I guess. It gave you something to do. Um, Yeah, it did. It gave me something to do. And, and even people on Twitter were like, and you know, what's crazy through this whole thing. We know how vicious Twitter can be, but just about a hundred percent, I'm talking like 99.5%. Everything has been positive. I can probably count on two hands, the amount of negative, uh, tweets that I have read yeah. or, uh, you know, or, or have come across. So a lot of first world complaining has stopped in the last few weeks. 100%. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And, and it's so funny, even to this day, I'll hear people go, Oh, but my cake was ruined. <laughs> it's like, he didn't put the right frosting on. And I'm like, oh my God, you got to be kidding Say, me. Listen, lady, I was a foster kid. I got type one diabetes and now I got this COVID-19 <laughs> thing. I don't want to yeah. hear about, I don't want to hear about your baking mishap ever again. <laughs> that's, that's right. I don't care. I don't care what it says on your cake. Just eat it and be happy. Do you have, I mean, where would you, I know you said you're, you feel like you're in the recovery mode now. Like how is how is it living now? Like, are you able to move around? If you, I mean, if you could go to work, would you be able to? Oh, one, 100%. I, I think I'd be able to, um, uh, the, the shortness of breath probably stopped two, maybe three days ago okay. and I can, I can move around. If I do too much, if, you know, once you start feeling normal, you're like, I can do normal things, mm-hmm. but you know, it, it, it knocks me back a little bit, but not even as close to where I was a week ago. And the headache's gone. The headache is finally gone. That yeah. took a solid 24, 25 days oh, to go away. Right, right. Wow. I'm I'm incredibly happy for you that you've that you've made it through it. It's uh it's amazing. Especially, you know, when you look at I'm I'm looking at the numbers while I'm talking to you, and you know, there's almost one point two million confirmed cases across the across the globe. 
250, almost 250,000 people have recovered, but there's, we're up on close to 65,000 deaths at this point. And, and, and you want to know what's crazy is I'm, uh, I'm not in those statistics because I was never given a test. You weren't tested. Yep. Yeah, no kidding. I was talking to a doctor on the show the other day and he said the same thing. He's like, these numbers are just, the numbers are whack. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. They, they, and even the, um, the ER doctors and everybody knew at the time. And, and I also knew that if you don't get tested, you're not counted. Mm-hmm. And so I've had no, I was going to say I've had no symptoms, but the other day I had a fever for like six hours. Who's to say yeah. I, I don't have it. And that's just all that's ever going to happen. Y- you know, that's all that's ever going to happen. And right. and you were just the carrier and you gave it to your kid or your wife and your wife then gave it to somebody at the store. Right. Well, we all been hunkered down for quite some time at this point. So, but I have, I have been the, um, uh, I'm the, I'm the schmuck that gets to go out to, you know, get groceries. So, but, ah. I, but, I, but I come back in like, like breaking bad, you know what I mean? So I'm <laughs> taking care of myself. I feel like, but I guess it really only takes not wiping off one thing the right way or something, you yeah. know, that, that's yeah. just got to be the thing and you're, you're stuck. Oh my God. So you're not contagious anymore. From my understanding, um, even the ER said, uh, uh, four to 14 days. So I, I have been going with what I read at the very beginning, yeah. um, was, was up to 21 days. So I'm going to, you know, cause by what the, the doctor said, um, sit two weeks and you should be done. Don't worry about it. But I'm going to go with what I read. Uh, cause so yeah, far it's been about 100%. It's got a great batting average. Um, and, and I wish I would have saved that freaking article. Um, but, uh, up to three weeks after the last of my symptoms, I could still be contagious. So yeah. I'm going to go another three weeks after, I don't know, a couple, three days ago. Yeah. Start for you. Oh. Well, and listen, that's very good of you. You're a good citizen, man. That's excellent. Seriously. Um, well, I'm, I'm one of those people that if my kids get sick, I keep them home. And the school hates it. And, and we get letters. But I'm like, I'm not going to send my kids to school sick because yeah. I'm not going to have my kids get other kids sick. And then now you have five kids out of school instead of just mine. Yeah, right. It just doesn't make sense to. No. Out, out of Especially there's nothing to do, man. Where are you going to go? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And you know what I think is going to be great with this? And I hope people, I hope we have a long memory with this and it changes companies and, and schools because the school's like, well, if your kid's sick, keep them home. Well, when you do that, then they're like, but you've kept your kid home for too long. It's, but, but you don't understand. You, you, you don't want them there when they have the flu or cold like symptoms because right. then you, you know, and then the same thing is with, a uh, with, with employment and, and jobs and, and your boss, you have to go through the whole rigmarole of showing up, looking like you're sick and being sent home. You know, yeah. I, I hope with this, it changes our mindset. Hey, if you're sick, just stay the F home. Yeah. Don't even put on the dog and pony show of even coming in. Stay home. Oh, I think the next, yeah, no, I, I think the next number of years are going to be super interesting for how things adjust Change. and i'm sure they're not going to go crazy i mean you can look back I've, there's been other things like this but we've never shut the country down for them no, so n- never it's, never it's going to be something to see it really will be dude i really appreciate you coming on and doing this thank you very much hey no problem i've uh i've got i've got no issue doing it uh if you want to have me again i'm i'm you know maybe we'll have a 
uh, a catch-up show a couple months down the road and see how I'm feeling, if there's any link. Because that's the other thing I'm worried about. I'm worried about some sort of lung damage or pulmonary damage or heart damage because I've been I've – been, that's starting to be leaking out now. So yeah, no, I'm. I'd be super interested to follow up with you. And I uh, also, you know, at some point, you and I need to get comfortable enough together where I can talk you into getting to a Dexcom continuous glucose monitor too. Because oh, I, nice. I, okay, I would, I would love to see. I would. I would have been so incredibly interested to see uh, CGM data from while you were sick. I just think that would have been would have been crazy. And it would have well, been, I can know. I can go through my machine and show you that there's I have so many high blood sugars. Yeah, no, I believe you, dude. I, I mean, listen, illness hits some people really hard with their blood sugar, so I, I, I yeah. 100% believe you. All right, yeah. uh, Justin, seriously, I really appreciate this. Would you like to follow Justin on Twitter? He's JWDaddy80. JWDaddy80. Thanks so much to Justin for coming on the show and being so clear and thoughtful and thorough about his corona experience. Thanks also to Dexcom, Omnipod, the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter, and Touched by Type 1 for sponsoring the show. Go to Dexcom.com forward slash juice box to learn more about the G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. And of course, to get that free no obligation demo of the Omnipod, you want myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. Those links are also available at juiceboxpodcast.com and right there in the podcast player that you're listening to now. There will be one more episode this week. Thursday, I'm guessing. Friday? Thursday or Friday. I don't know. I'll give it to you when I give it to you. Just relax. They're free. If you're that bored and you need another episode, what I do is go to contournextone.com and see if you're eligible for a free meter. That meter is rocking. I'll tell you about it in the next episode. Or at the very least, you should head over to touchbytype1.org to see beautiful people doing amazing things for those living with type 1 diabetes. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast today. If you have, and I mean if you've really, really enjoyed it, you probably should head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review with some really thoughtful words that other people could see and think, huh, I should try that podcast because Jimmy said it's amazing. And you don't just say it's amazing, five stars. You say something thoughtful. You know, you'll see the other reviews. You figure out what to do. Seriously, the reviews really help other people find the show, which I appreciate. But in the end, the thing you can do that will help this podcast the most is share it with someone else who you think will enjoy it. If you did that, that would be enough. It would be more than enough. It might make me cry. If you're interested in more Corona-related episodes, episode 314 is with Dr. Adam Nadelman. He sets out the basics about Corona. In episode 315, Jenny Smith, CDE, and person living with type 1 diabetes, talks about Corona as it pertains to people with type 1. In episode 318, Sarah is a nurse from New York City who has type 1 diabetes, had corona, and works in the hospitals that you're hearing so much about on the news. And then again on episode 320, Dr. Nadelman returns to talk about how things have shifted since his first appearance. It had only been three weeks since he had been on the show, but a lot had changed. So we were trying to keep things updated. I hope you guys are all being safe covering your coughs, washing your hands, staying indoors, and following all of the guidelines that are going to help all of us return back to normal life very soon. Be well.